everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of the Elo Punters podcast. My name is Anurag Das. Today I'm joined with Bob Wong and Daniel Gochel. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, Anurag. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. I'm tired. I went to bed at 7.30 a.m. last night, this morning. Um, with, with good reason. For good reason. I... I finished playing The Last of Us Part 2, which came out last Friday. And I think what is that? I hear people talking about it. It's a video game, Bob Wong. What kind of video game? Oh, God. I don't know where to start. This is probably one of the most, like... <sighs> well, obviously, no spoilers. Um, but the story is about, like, life in the zombie apocalypse. And... Um, it's just a very graphic game, and there's a lot of, like like controversial things so is it happen. like resident evil no well it's not like so resident evil is like horror right this is more like suspense thriller action kind of deal and i think for me it was like what was gripping for me was like just the story and i know that's that's what's like in terms of like reviews has been like super like i guess controversial is that people have been like oh the story sucks because a lot of like critical plot points happen throughout the game and and i'm just like well, I didn't really play the first game. I watched the playthrough of it at like 2x speed on YouTube. So I didn't really develop a bond with the characters like everyone else did. So I didn't really mind what happened in the second story. No, spoilers. Uh, oh. No, no, no. I'm not going to so say many a single spoilers. thing. Well, you just said well, something's going to happen to the characters. Like, yeah, obviously. Like, a plot's. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, all right, do, we need to restart? do we need to restart? Do we need to restart? Do we need to restart? We're good. We're good. We're good. You know, right, I can anyways. actually really, I can really relate to you watching the first playthrough at 2x speed i've been watching some new tv shows at like 2x speed and sometimes even i fast forward to 3x speed like like avatar the last airbender um i, I generally do it faster than 1x speed too so you what know i've been like you powering giving through tv me crap shows about this earlier where i was like oh i'm watching Lab uh, avatar last airbender but i'm skipping through all the scenes where like I don't know. Hey, looks I didn't skip a single scene. I just watched it at a faster speed. There's that, a difference. So you just hear like me, 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 like that. <laughs> no, it's not that dude, bad. He has it's subtitles, like, dude. Yeah, there you go. I can read. I think. Oh God, Bob's the speed reader, right? He's got that what words per minute. Indeed, that's usually referring to typing. So I got both of those locked. Oh, yeah. What, what do you call it when you're a speed reader? It's got to be words per minute too, right? Like you know those people that'll just pick up a book and just like fan through it, and they're just like, "All right, ask me anything." The the two thousand WPM or whatever it is. I have not tested that, so maybe I should learn some mm. speed reading. Then I can uh, maybe I could play Magic faster too. That way, like I could like read all the cards even faster because that's what Magic's about. Why do you guess, read yeah. cards when you're playing the game? I mean, I had to read a ton of cards during testing for standard for this PT. I was like, don't know what that does. Don't know what wow. that does. Okay, well, on the topic of spoilers, let's not spoil the rest of this episode. I guess we'll get to the intro. Uh, wait, before we do that, Daniel, do you have anything you want to mention real quick? Anything at all? You, go, you get one shot. But we haven't even got to the intro. I don't even know what I mentioned. I don't even know what the show's about yet. <laughs> it was a trick. You didn't fall for my trap. Nice. Um, so for the intro, let's check it out. Uh, okay, well... Uh, no new patrons, but that's okay. We're having fun with everyone who's already here. Thanks for supporting us. We appreciate it a lot. And also, thank you, Liz. Uh, that's at Ellie of the Veil on Twitter for editing our episodes as always and just making us doofuses like sound a lot better than we really are. Uh, that's awesome. Ooh, what's coming up for the Patreon? I'll tell you what I got working. Have you heard of that new card from the new set that we're going to talk about today, I suppose? Which one? Teferi? 
okay, nope, nope. There goes my career in any sort of musical industry. I like to pretend that I have a, a voice, but I guess I don't. No, Conspicuous Snoop is um something that looks kind of cute. I might, I might uh, do... Wait, are you going to become a Goblins player? Because Goblins is a lot of card advantage. Well, I don't know, dude. Like, I have some issues with this card. We'll find them out, I guess, later on, but... I'll try it, like, once, whatever. I think I've become, like, the more variety-esque streamer now. Like, I'll just... Like, in the last week and a half, I've I've played... Let's see, yesterday, I 5-0'd with Standstill. I 0-3'd with Titanic Dryad. I played <laughs> a lot of Oath and Vintage over the weekend, getting, what is it, back-to-back top 8s in the challenges. That was kind of cool. Um, and just, like, a bunch of other stuff. I don't know. I, I think... I mean, we still have that $100 D&T Patreon tier, which is, like, basically the one deck that I just think I will not play. Like, just from, like, an ethical perspective, I will not cross this line, you know? I've set an imaginary boundary, and I've confined myself. But Goblins, like, I don't know, just, like, a turn three kill, right? That's what it is, they, and everyone and your opponent dies sometimes? Like, that's not too bad. Yeah, I feel like Conspicuous Snoop is going to be like uh, Blast Zone and Oko all, all over again for me, where I never read it because I had way too much text, and everyone was saying it was good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. And then, like, three weeks later, I'll lose to it and be like, wow, I can't believe I didn't play it. Wait, I feel like Oko has, like, an average amount of text, and Blast Zone literally has one ability, one extra ability, so I how does it have that much text? When I first read Oko, it has to create a food. And I just was like, I don't know what this is, and stopped reading. And then it said, like, turn an artifact into a 3 3. I just stopped reading. I didn't know what it meant. Same with Blast Zone. It was like, it's land, like, counters. Like, I I waited like a month until I knew what Blast Zone did. I was just like, everybody's like, it's good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Wait, you know, that's actually kind of an experiment. That's an interesting experiment. So, like, one of our topics for today is going to be looking at spoilers from M21. And I'm wondering if we could just, like, take, like, the average word count for each of these cards. And, like, for all the M21 cards that we're interested in. And then look at the average word count from, like, a set from, like, 2016. And just see, like, how much more text is there per interesting card in M21 than there is in, like, maybe, like, m like 15 or something you know what i mean yeah it's got to be night and day and that's why i think i see some people on twitter being like "Ooh, they finally powered down the set but then i look at the set and i'm like every single card has a million lines of text like all of these cards are going to be better than they appear at first because mm-hmm. you know it's the questing beast that like combat damage can't be prevented ability that like stops protection that i didn't learn until like middle of the pt so it's all it's just like <laughs> all these like small things that like rarely come up but then just add so much so in my opinion this set is still extremely powerful even if it's not as powerful as you know ikoria i think it's still like you know on par with theros potentially for what it's worth most players for what it's worth bob most players have their uh their learning moments with questing beast mine was when i cast fog uh in pioneer like in december uh and then i died to questing beast (laughs) I don't know. I feel like Theros was really powerful. It had Earl and Underworld Breach, which feel like two of some of the most busted cards ever. I guess guess what I would say about the power level of M21 is unlike, it's not like Ikoria or Theros where there's like a few cards that just break every format. It's more like all the cards are very good, or a lot of the cards are very good. Like none of them screams to me, oh, like, oh, this is getting banned, but a lot of them put together is like, Oh wow, this is a good card. Oh wow, this is a good card. Oh wow, here's another good card. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's still weaker than M20 though. I, may, oh, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I guess I, M20 was a lot. 
Yeah, M20 was also a lot, right? Like, how many of those cards got banned? A lot? Field of the Dead? Field of the Dead, Veil of Summer, and Mystic Forge, I think, are the three cards that have had bans and or restrictions. Mm, Which is pretty terrifying. All right, before we... Because I guess we're just talking about everything right now. Do we have any other caster updates? Let's see. What, Daniel, do you have anything going on? Or Uh, what's been been going on for you? Nothing. I just played the PT thing. Uh, Went into the depths of that. Had to fight against some rough... Rough matchups. I mean, rough players. Ken Yukihiro, when I woke up on day one, was my first opponent, or maybe my second one. Then right as oh, so you, get, you played against Mardu Cycling. Yeah, I didn't even know it. That's that was. I was definitely reading the cards because at first I was like, oh, well, I guess uh, I should discuss that later. Some of the the way his deck works because I was trying to understand the plan. And uh, yeah, I, I, I played against Paulo. He knocked me off my horse for sure because he's a strong cowboy. He is a strong cowboy. Yeah. That's pretty cool that you get to play against these, like... Sorry, just to clarify, PBDDR. Uh, that's pretty cool that you get to play against, like, this caliber of player, right? Like, I mean, maybe sometimes you might stumble on them, into them, uh, like, in, in the league or, you know, when you're just grinding the ladder or whatever. But uh, this kind of event where, like, they take the shackles off and they're just like, all right, I'm going to give it my all. Like, that's terrifying, you know what I mean? Like, like you might run into, like, LSV in the vintage queues, but you know that he's just, like chilling out max and relaxing all cool kind of deal am i allowed to say that like am i gonna get is this gonna get like dm never mind okay um but then like when you're in the pt setting it's just like there's no mercy people are just like thinking and thinking and thinking and all that brain power against it's daunting to think about okay anyways i think that's pretty cool experience um yeah you mentioned something about a ptq though that you're playing in soon or something oh yeah there's the m21 sealed uh, in quotes, Super PTQ. It's the same prizes as the previous Super PTQs, which were pretty good. They're actually uh, some of the best uh, prizing for Magic Online events. It just won't be a PT invites, but personally, I, I was playing all those Super PTQs just for no invites, so there hasn't been a lot of Magic Online scheduled events, basically none recently. So it should be exciting. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, I like Seals, one of my, maybe my favorite format, and so I'm pretty hyped for M21 Seal. It looks like it might be more exciting than a M20 sealed, but maybe that's just because the cards are new. Yeah, they totally uh, revert, reversed their position. I remember Magic Online had like the regular PTQs plus the Super PT, super queues, so it was just like so many events. And now there's no regular PTQs, there's no Super queues, so we're, we're back to just boring old challenges. And then there's just the showcases, I guess. True, true. Well, they did update the challenges, like for Legacy at least. I'm kind of happy that they made some of the changes to the Legacy challenge on Saturday. They um, downsized the uh, entry requirement from 64 players to 32 players because... I, I, what's up? I, I believe they did it for both days, so that means prizes will be lower on Sunday as well. That's my understanding, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. I, mean, I think I'm okay with that. Like it, it, the most tragic thing, or actually maybe this is the most beautiful thing, is that the day after they, um, or the week that they implemented that change from 32 players, the Saturday Legacy event fired with 63 players, um, which is, I don't know, I like that. I mean, someone probably would have signed up at the very last second to get 64, but having to not need that is is mm-hmm. very. No, very I agree. Relaxing. It's definitely a positive change, and. Yeah. I'm glad that you know we'll have two events worth of data because that's what I like uh, every weekend instead of just having the one for the past few weekends because the Saturday one didn't fire. 
Gotcha. <clears throat> what about you, Bob? Did you do any? I guess you also played in the PT too, right? Yeah, I played in the PT. Let's let's talk about it in that section. Um, other than that, you know, I've been playing a lot of Arena, so I have a lot of thoughts on that as well. And um, let's let's get into the Twitter. Wait, questions. what about me? Nobody cares about your updates. That's okay, totally well, blank. I have one important update, and then you can whatever. Uh, so the, the only thing that I've been doing, so I've been streaming a lot. Like I mentioned, I, I actually streamed all of The Last of Us Part Two on my channel, which was kind of nice. I mean, it's pretty crazy for anyone who's like, you know, creating content. Like the drastic drop in viewership when you have, like when you're a magic streamer and you stream magic compared to when you're a magic streamer and you just stream something else. What was else. your average viewers of Last of Us? So just, just for context... Right now, I am about, I'd say, like, 100 average viewers or so when I'm streaming Magic. When I streamed The Last of Us, what would you guess? Two. Okay, all right. That's kind of cruel. That, okay, I'm not that un unlikable. Well, that's like um, average stream. <laughs> um, it's like 15, you know, it's, it's, it's a sharp drop, like an 80% drop. Um, and, I, and I think this is just consistent throughout most platforms, but it, it's especially harder, I guess, in Magic because well i don't know it's kind of hard to grow streaming magic i don't know there's a lot of thoughts there but well, we'll potentially what if you stream something similar to magic like hearthstone i wonder if the drop off would be less that's a if that good makes point. sense it, it probably wouldn't be as as steep um you're right okay wait this wasn't my one thing I, my one thing was uh i'm working on a tournament a very small tournament it's a 32 player event it's uh, for subscribers to my Twitch channel only. Haha, -ha, it's that's the that's the that's the bait. Get them. Um, no, but this is like the first uh, no ban list event that I not no ban list, but like custom ban list event that I'm running. And I'm 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 less concerned about the the ban list, which for anyone who is curious about that, it's just like no astrolabe, no veil of summer, everything else um, is just the regular ban list. But like what I'm interested in is actually like organizing and running a tournament. Um, and I'm starting with a very small 32-person pool because, well, uh, I don't want to start with 200-person, a 200-person event because that seems like a logistical nightmare for someone who's never done something like this before. And I just want to see like what all the complexities are. I really want to stream the event, and I'm focused on like my personal efforts. Want to go into like, uh, like the production value to make sure that this is like a wow, like a really fun event to watch. But there's so much more to hosting a tournament. Anyways, I just want to put that out there that it's, that's in the works. So who, anyone who's interested, um, there's a 32-person hard cap for the first one. But I anticipate that I will be uh, playing a couple, setting up a couple more of these uh, if if uh, reception for the first one is good kind of deal. So that's that's something to look forward to. It's like a legacy league almost, like five rounds. And then if you do well, then you get to play for a nice chunk of change too. So... Um, yeah, okay. I'm down to go to the next next thing. Uh, no, I actually, I, I hate to say this, but I like the changes you've, you've brought up. Like, I like the fact that it's going to be a little bit smaller, 32 players, and then that way you can find people who are actually interested. The, the fear I had was that if you tried to make it too big and then not enough people signed up, because, like, asking people to brew a new deck for a new format, not that many, like, a fair amount of people will be interested, but... I can see a lot of people not being super interested. And I'd also agree with banning those two cards. I think those are probably the two cards that people want to see go the most. Yeah. So makes sense yeah. to me. There are a couple of other like custom formats that have happened in the past. Like, I think there was like Legacy Unchained or whatever with uh, like a lot of cards unbanned. And then there was 
um, uh, there was something else. Oh, like the pre-war Innistrad or something like that. Like Innistrad before Innistrad, that format. And it's kind of weird how like, I don't know, just like obviously the attendance is going to plummet. But I, I, like I said before, like I've kind of realized that like people will play if you if you put money in, in, in front of them to play. You know what I mean? So I don't have that much money, so I'm not going to get that much that many people. But like imagine if I had like $15,000, like you bet your ass people would come to play in this event. Um and I'd probably lose a lot of money because not enough people would come and play, but, you know, still, that's... Anyways, mm -hmm. that's neither here nor there. You wanted to do Twitter questions, Bob? Let's do it. Hey, all right. So, we've got a couple questions from our uh, Twitter uh, feelers. Okay, I wish I had used another word. Um, what advice do you have for someone who is being reintroduced to Legacy after a few years, a.k.a. how has the format changed and how does it play differently as a result? This is from at ninth on breakers, aka was it 2017 or maybe 2016, 2017 vintage and legacy champs. Right. Yeah, Top Eric Virgo. Yeah, Eric Virgo. Cool. What do you think? Uh, I think that you need to have a plan for Uro first of all, because back in the day, if you played against control decks, their finishers would be cards like Jason Mind Sculpture. Or, you know, stuff like that. I mean, just a year ago, we used to play Accumulated Knowledge because we needed to finish the game. So Control Decks would have more trouble closing the game. They could actually flood. Also, there's Mystic Sanctuary. So basically, Control Decks don't flood and have, like, infinite mana sinks, basically, because of Uro and Mystic Sanctuary. So basically, you need to have more of a tempo plan than, like, a grindy plan. You need to make sure you can deal with Uro and Mystic Sanctuary in, in, in such a way. Like, you can't just be, like, cast lingering souls, you know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. So you need to have like really a plan for those cards rather than just being like a bit more, you know. And I think the ways of going over the top of these decks has also consolidated a lot. Like Field of the Dead is a card that, you know, was printed a year ago and it didn't see that much play. But like now I would actually call it a major player in the format. You know, we saw this Sultai Titan deck win two challenges in a row. Uh, lands, it's become a core part of the strategy, even more core than Merit Lodge now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Uh so the, basically the way of going over the top of these decks is consolidated in Field of the Dead. Some people are still playing Cloud Post, but I would say Field of the Dead is the more popular way to go over the top these days. Yeah, I'd also say... I... Uh... Okay, yeah, good. I'd also say Dreadhorde Arcanist exists now. So like, if you're not playing Dreadhorde Arcanist, you need to not be weak to it. Because, for example, last year I tried Death and Taxes, and then my opponent has Dreadhorde Arcanist. I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to play this deck again. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, if you're not playing Dreadhorde Arcanist, I think you need a good reason not to, because that card's really strong. Uh, also, I think Veil of Summer exists now, so if you play black, you need a really good reason to, because Veil of Summer is like Rest in Peace for the color black. And, like That means like if you're playing Dredge, Rest in Peace is a hate card. Veil of Summer is like Rest in Peace, but it's just for one color. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, to answer this question, Eric, I, I think... I wouldn't even look at cards, like specific cards, but just look at like the types of cards they are. I feel like back in like a couple of years ago, you know, maybe like back when Sensei's Top was around, it always felt like the answers were better than the threats, right? Like, I don't know. Uh, there just simply weren't threats that were so powerful that we had to. I mean, obviously, like things like Top Counterbalance, uh oh, but the, the threats were just manageable and i think what happened is like 2019 has just changed how magic like fundamentally is 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 played because the threats are so good now right like 
You have Teferi, Karn, Dreadhorde, Oko, Narset, all of these cards. Oko, La Labe, Vale, all of those cards. Well, okay, Labe and Vale are not threats. But, like, the threats are just, uh, even Uro, right? They're so incredible. They they do so much, so much more compared to, you know, what was before. And I know, like, you're coming from a background of, like, playing like Delver, right? And I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe realizing that, like, this whole elegant play style of of you know just being more responsive Tempo, for tat yeah it's kind of, it's 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 been significantly nerfed um i don't i don't know if i want to say it's dying i mean because you could probably bring it back if if certain cards change or certain things change but i mean legacy is the format where like you know things won't change that drastically like we're stuck with these cards so i i don't know maybe it's maybe it's uh for the ones that do matter like you just have to like change the way you play magic in, in general like it, it, it's you have to change the way you view the format right you have to think more about being proactive and 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 just leveraging the power of of these 2019 cards and i know that sucks to say like because obviously like i'm the kind of person that would prefer to play like you know this like this elegant dance of a match where you got you have like your top and your counterbalance but your opponent's got top and cross and grip and tendrils and things like that like that's fun to me Slamming Oko on turn three is, well, I don't think it's like crazy powerful or as as powerful as I originally thought. Like it's it is certainly boring. You know what I mean? Like, and despite it being boring, I think you just have to like suck it up and be like, all right, this is the world we live in. This is how I'm gonna play. Um, so basically, it's just that like philosophical shift of of transitioning away from like, oh, I need to play with my one mana Delver threats like Nimble Mongoose to okay i think we're just gonna have to play like delver as a jun deck now that kind of thing well it's funny because mongoose was uh people were hyping it up a couple months ago because of the all right, well, luris is different right like yeah i remember omar was hating on it saying let's bring out the birds but i guess uh, that's off topic so uh back to yeah i mean legacy's just changed so much like we had the luris meta we also had the breach meta so it's the other big takeaway is that just be ready for change. If they're not changing their card printing philosophy, then we're going to see like new decks rise into tier one and decks fall out of tier one as things get banned. It's it's basically you know you're gonna you're not gonna it's not your father's legacy format. Things are going to change. You need to be ready to adapt. Yeah. What about the next question? Interested in playing blue black inverter? Would you agree that the deck is more quote all in version of twin? People say it's a control deck, but it seems hard to win games fairly since Inverter ETB flips your deck over from at real time John. Mm, I would say it's a bit different because number one of the Pioneer format, when Twin was the mo was a popular deck in Modern, let's say around 2013, 2014, the decks just operated very differently than Pioneer decks do. It's similar to what Anirag was saying, like this, the, the threats these days are a lot better. So most of the decks these days are based all around threats. Uh, I mean, they still were back in modern, back in those days, but basically, like, how do I say, like, it's much more tap out now, like, there's much more flash stuff going on, there was a much more, like, there's less mana sinks, like, back then you could flood was a thing, so you had to, like, scrape for card advantage, um, like, in the... Uh, Lighthouse was a, was a staple for a really long time. Yeah, like, you basically had to scrape for card advantage, and, like, there was a lot more flash stuff, like, you could... You could basically not use your mana, and that was normal. Like it would be normal not to use your mana on all your turns because you had like flash stuff or in, for different decks, not even just twin. Whereas now it's like more like you want to try and use all your mana, you want to develop your strats, tap out. I would say 
maybe you win less with a uh, combo and inverter, but that's because, or like less with a fair game and inverter, but that's because of the formats is just kind of faster. Or like back when Twin was legal, like winning with Snapcaster and Vanilla and Click was actually a thing that would happen because I guess because of Snapcaster existing with Cryptic kind of let you cleanly answer your boards, your opponents would flood more because basically now your opponents have more mana sinks. So winning with a card like Snapcaster, I mean, it's not even legal. But just back in modern then, your opponents would flood way more easily. So you could just win with a couple Snapcasters and like Cryptic. Whereas now it's harder to like just answer all their threats. You kind of want to close the game. So that's kind of why it takes a more of a combo role. And you have cards like Dig Through Time. But I would, I'm not sure if I like, I would say it's more of a combo deck, but that's more because of the way that stuff have shifted. Like you'll still win games with Ashiok from time to time. Um, but it's basically like cards like Snapcaster are less good because of the, the formats, there's more mana sinks and stuff like that. So like having a two, the value from Snapcaster is just like a lot decreased. And I mean, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's like obviously there's no Snapcaster in Pioneer, but like that's just tr- to say, uh, yeah, I mean, you play Jay's Friends Prodigy as a similar card, but that's like, if you look back at Modern Den, basically Snapcaster was like really scary because of the 2-1 body, whereas now it's more like, okay, like there's, there's so much free value in mana sink, so it's not that impressive. Cool. That makes sense to me as well. Um, just the fact that it's like it's more of an aggro-based format, I want to say. And, you know, against aggro, you actually need to close the game out and win with a combo. So yeah, it's just Also, the other, the other thing about the combo is, like, Splinter Twin is disruptable via removal, whereas Inverter, it's kind of hard to interact with. Yeah, and also Dig Through Times. It's... It's good too. It's more. It's just like threats are harder to answer now. So you want to. So the way you answer threats is you try and close the game more. And back then you could kind of, uh, you know, just win with whatever leftovers you had because your opponents were mm-hmm. just casting Goyf as their whole plan. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the first topic, which is uh, PT testing. So I'll go through um, what happened with me. Uh, so I played a lot of different t- decks uh, leading up to it, and you know I started testing probably like four weeks before the PT. So I, I was trying Jeskai Luka before it got banned. And then in the week that um, basically leading up to the ban, I was playing best of one Winota to try and ladder quickly. And that was a ton of fun. In case you don't know what that deck does, that was super fun. You play like a turn one Gilded Goose or Elboreal Grazer. And then you can play a turn three Winota and then like stack a bunch of triggers and attack with the Goose or the Grazer and then just hit Agent of Treachery. So you could like steal two or more lands on turn three. So it was kind of a super powerful Stone Rain Hyper Agger deck. So I loved that. Um, I knew it probably wasn't going to be legal, but then, you know, they went ahead and banned Agent of Treachery, so that kind of squashed my dreams and hopes. And after that, I tested a whole bunch of different decks, and I was um, playing Blackbird Sacrifice, which I thought was decent, and then I tried Jun Sacrifice, and I, like, started crushing people on the ladder. I won, like, 18 in a row. I was like, oh, I'm just logging into this deck. Unfortunately, I decided to play the next weekend, and Jun Sacrifice did really not so great the first weekend because there was so much Teamer Reclamation. And I thought that Jun Sacrifice was okay against Teamer Rec if you just played four Regisaur. But it turns out some people at the PT were ready. They had borrowers and other ways to stall. And so I ultimately put down Jun Sacrifice and played Mono Green for the PT. I made Day 2, but I did poorly on Day 2, so I just dropped. And I don't know. I don't have, like, too many regrets. I I thought I, I had some fun testing for the event. I learned a lot about how Arena worked. Um, but overall, I'm just kind of glad I don't have to play much standard anymore. I didn't play the PT. I'm a bum. All right, Daniel, what about you? Yeah, I remember I, I, 
they started the testing. They announced that there was some bands. So, for because first, it, like Bob was saying, it was kind of this uh, Winota format. But then they announced there's some bands. So it's like, okay, what's good? The first thing I looked at was like a Yorion Bant deck. But then I played some games and I didn't really like it. I just felt like a lot of reactive cards. And I don't know how to, ex- how to explain. I just didn't like the Bant deck that much. So then the next deck I thought of was Teamer Reclamation because it was kind of obvious choice. It seemed pretty good. So like this was like right like one or two days after the bans. And I played against Omar and he's like, okay, let's test. And Omar's like, I'll play Black Red Sack. You play Teamer Rec. And he beat me like five or six games in a row. So I got super demoralized by that because he was like, because I thought the matchup was super good. But he kept going like discard spell into Regisaur, which I think part of the reason is my Teamer deck wasn't built that well because I... I didn't have any blast zones and like and stuff like this, so my deck was like less able to handle Regisaur than a normal deck. Uh, but I was still on the deck, and then I, I want. Then he decided to play Bant, and he, he was like 10-0 against Teamer with Bant. So I got pretty demoralized on Teamer. So this was like right the day after the ban, like a few days after the ban. So I got demoralized on Teamer, and I was like, okay, I'll try some other stuff. So I tried Black Red Sack, and uh, I thought it was okay, but nothing special. And then, um, like, a couple days before the PT, I was, like, kind of fl- flip-flopping between uh, Teamer and Black Red Sack. And I felt like Teamer was pretty good. This People started hyping it a lot at this point. Like, everyone on Twitter is like, it's the best deck, etc., etc. Everybody was really hyping it up. And uh, I felt like the, pr- the main, pro- main reason I didn't play it was I didn't really know what reactive cards I wanted in my deck. Because in Teamer Rec, it's kind of like a... Well, Similar to the Reclamation decks in Modern, you play Wilderness Reclamation, you have a bunch of instants. So a lot of the instants are reactive. And it was kind of, when I was playing games, I didn't really know what kind of cards I wanted in my games. So I didn't really know how I wanted to build my deck. And like post-board, it was, everybody's list was different. Like there wasn't stock lists, so it's not like you could just test the stock matchup. For example, like a lot of people had ops, a lot didn't have ops. A lot of people had different numbers of just different cards for all sorts of decks, like Every deck had like different plants. Nobody had stock lists. So I didn't really know what reactive cards I wanted. And then I, I decided to play Black Red Sack uh, because it, the whole deck was threats. And Omar and Tyler were still, they were still playing it. In, and they were like, yeah, that's, that's what we're playing so far. And so I ended up playing that. But then I would say uh, the PT went okay. I'm a, I, 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 uh, I ended up 9-6. So like, okay. It, it was like, okay. It was like pretty decent, I guess. Uh, I got I played in some tough players on day two like Paulo Vera de Mo, uh, de Rosa and uh, Ken Yukihiro and Matt Sperling and Noah Walker. So I played some tough opponents. And I think three of my opponents finished in the top ten also. So my tiebreakers were good, I guess. But um, when I when I look back, my I actually I played against Teamer X seven times. For the people who haven't been keeping up with standard, it was like forty percent or. 20%, like 40%, something like that of the meta. It was like the most popular deck and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I went uh, 6-2 against like n- other matchups and 3-4 against Rec. Though I think some of my Rec opponents were pretty good, like Paulo and Matt Sperling were pretty tough opponents. Um, and I think what I underrated in, in my testing was that the thing about when, when you would plan about how I beat Team Rec, a lot of it had to do with their fail rate. The thing is, if you play against Team Rec and both decks have a good draw, Reclamation is just like a four-man enchantment that's like basically free that doubles your mana. So if they have a good draw and you have a good draw, they kind of just, how do you say, win? Because Reclamation just creates a huge, huge advantage that's hard to interact with. So I kind of realized that after the PT, also more people were playing more Blast Zones. For some reason, 
like the list were in stock, so I didn't really know how many blast zones to play. And I was only playing like zero, maybe one. A lot of people I know playing one to two blast zones, and that's like really good against the uh, the black red deck, especially when you're playing like a bunch of discard spells. Also, it's kind of um, so. I, I think the choice to play black red it was a bit underpowered, but it made sense because I didn't know what cards I wanted. Um, and and it's and I really like playing the deck too. Like if I teamer is kind of exhausting to play, honestly. Like black red's also a hard deck to play, but the fact that my rounds were all like twenty minutes meant that I could really focus each round. Whereas if I played teamer and I had a bunch of fifty minute rounds, I might have got fatigued. But yeah. But uh, one last thing I wanted to add is so I didn't play like I thought about blue white and bant a lot, but the reason I didn't play it is I thought like oh you can't really play too many reactive cards anymore. Like it, you need to play more uh, threats. But then I saw in the last PT. Nassif and McWinsauce played a blue-white deck, and they both top-aided or top-forward. So that was like a really impressive showing from the deck. And it kind of surprised me, because in the testing, I, w- I really wanted to play blue-white or Bant, because I thought they were like all good cards and stuff like this. But it w- I thought it was really hard to play reactive cards, but they found a way to make it work. So yeah, I would say that was my uh, PT recap. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of the metagame also changed between the first weekend of PTs and the second weekend of PTs. Because the first weekend was, you know, people were expecting Wreck and it still did well. And a lot of people, like myself, assumed that Wreck would still be, like, super, super good. But it turns out people did figure out ways to fight against it. Like, there was more Bant. People were playing the Orzov Yorion deck, which was good against it. People were playing Blue White Control, as you mentioned. And then a lot of people were playing main deck cards like Aethergust. And then that's why a deck like Blue White could take advantage and uh, Black White Yorion as well. It's like, oh, people have all these dead cards in their main deck. Orzov Yorion was pretty bad against Teamer. It was kind of like the next level. Like, it was supposed to be good against Bant. From what, from what I experienced, I know, like, because the, the black-white rats deck, it, like, it, it didn't really have to ferry, so it just had, like, out, it, it couldn't really stop Reclamation outside of, like, it had, like, Elspeth's Conquers Deaths and Mortify, but you could just make them discard a bunch of cards, but they only need Reclamation plus Explosion. And and then they... So I thought, like, the black-white Yorion deck was, like, supposed to be, like, good against Bant, because Bant was supposed to... It was supposed to be good against Aggro and Bant, because like the medics kind of became like aggro decks that mm-hmm. people would say were good against teamer because they try to flood the board quickly and then bant decks that would try and beat teamer by doing bant stuff and then like the black white yorian deck was supposed to be good against bant and good against the aggro decks but i believe worse against teamer so these days most matchups are are more 50 50 but i would say one thing is the second week there's a lot more aggro decks which would have been good for uh rakdos sacrifice because rakdos sacrifice is like it's not, you're not always going to beat the other aggro decks, but if you play Rakdos and you have a good draw, it's going to be pretty hard for the ag- other aggro decks to, to beat. Because if you just go like turn one, uh, like oven, turn two cat, turn three mayhem devil, it's just like, you know, or like if you go like turn one cat, turn two double oven, turn three devil, like it's just going to be pretty mm-hmm. hard for the aggro decks to kind of beat you. Which, yeah, Priest like, and Claim the First Born are insane as well. Yeah, Priest, uh, yeah, those are both really good. Like if you play against like mono green, like, and I go turn two Priest, and like, Claim's very good, obviously, because it, it just it's a kind of does a lot of stuff and it's one mana. Like obviously, it's can you can have a fail rate. Like these cards are kind of synergy cards, but if you have a good draw, it's, I, I think the deck's like really good against other aggro decks too. Black mm-hmm. supposed to just be like a, a strong deck. Like it's not particularly good against Teamer, but it's kind of like it's pretty good against Bant. I guess similar to the Rat deck, maybe maybe Black Red Sack was a worse Rat deck. Yeah, I, I think I should have played Sacrifice the second weekend. I just was too scared of Teamer, but. It turns out everybody was trying to beat Teamer and not that many people try to join it. So uh, I thought it was an interesting development. So yeah, I mean, overall, like, I don't think it had the full experience of a PT. I've played a paper Pro Tour before and it's just, it was not the same. I did play against them, um, I think, one Hall of Famer. 
Um, I had a good time just kind of playing from my house and learning the ropes on arena, uh, pun intended. Uh, but I don't know. I, I just overall, there's still too many things that frustrate me about arena. Basically, obviously there's like the connection issues. And I know a bunch of people who, you know, were losing very important high stakes matches due to the arena interface. And it just like frustrates me that they're not willing to, you know, use something like magic online, which is more stable and you don't have to like go on discord and challenge your opponents one-on-one. It just, it just seems like a hot mess to me. Yeah, I would say, like, you could, I think you could fix a lot of the disconnect issues if you just remove the rope from PT events. Like, I kind of get why the rope exists. It makes it a lot more enjoyable and easier to play. So I kind of get why it exists, and I kind of, maybe it does make uh, play more fun. But I think if Wait, you have, like, it? PT events... Because I think, I think it only makes it easier to watch not necessarily to yeah. play yeah well i kind of find I I mean, it's like, like speed chess versus regular chess like both of them are skill intensive and they're just different kinds of skills i actually found i kind of ended up liking the rope because when i went back to magic online uh, i sat down and my opponent took like five minutes i was like okay like i kind of i kind of like the rope now <laughs> like the thing with the rope it's consistent like you know how long your opponent has you're not gonna have to wait there for a bunch of minutes due to the rope so i kind of like the rope in some ways and i think it's like for leagues and stuff i do like the rope because but I would say if you're playing like a premier event, like a PT, I think it's fine to disable the rope because you're not going anywhere. You're gonna you're playing the PT the whole day, and so outside of the spectators, like it fixes all the disconnect issues. Or not all, but like it mostly fixes the disconnect issues because you're not gonna like rope out if you disconnect, and it just makes it easier to like, you know, because the thing is you rope out and you lose the game, so it just helps fix that issue. So actually, I did kind of like the rope uh, in the sense that. When, yeah, when I went back to Moto, I was just waiting there, and I, I I could definitely see the appeal of the rope, but yeah. Do you guys watch any of the PT uh, coverage? Yeah, I, I watched, watched some a, of it. I watched a bit. Cause what did you think st- about the coverage quality? Uh, I don't really have strong opinions. I mean, I think it was definitely you know less well done than a regular PT, but I think they did a fine job. I mean, okay, I, I do remember now that there was like, a long period where they had a lot of technical issues and sometimes you know it's not necessarily their fault um if some of their people didn't have the most stable connections etc cetera, etc cetera. they invited okay. a lot of different commentators yeah you know i saw that i was i'm so like for me i don't know production quality is kind of interesting so watching you know their take on <clears throat> excuse me Excuse me. Um, watching their take on how to like you know present this high level remote only event was kind of interesting. I think um, all in all, I'd say that with what they had and this being the first time, I think like they did a, a good job. I mean, obviously there was some connection issues and like a couple other things. I think I don't know. Just like I'm wondering whether or not there's like a ways to improve this to make this more of a like an immersive experience i know that like the audio for me personally was a little bit like bland i couldn't i couldn't stay like i don't know for me maybe i'm just like a simpleton and i just like need to have my mind like constantly entertained by some sort of production or whatever it is like uh but there wasn't really much like in terms of like audio like you know like they disabled like arena sound effects and things like that for example i don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing or or what's going on but i was just thinking like in terms of like ways to remedy that like other things that arena could do and even like magic online could do is just like have better spectator views if that makes sense and then also i mean if we're in the 
camp of like asking I know this is completely tangential I know but like if we're also in the camp of asking for things like I think having like custom tournament structures or like you know just being able to create tournament lobbies would be pretty cool um I wonder if that would help at all with mm-hmm. rather than I, mean, I think like, spectator mode would be huge for things like LPL yeah and it's something they're working on so yeah yeah um how does it how did it work for the pt so like you had to like everybody was in the same discord channel they would post the pairings in the discord channel and then you would find your opponent and then direct challenge them on arena okay how do you know how do you like confirm deck lists and things like that uh they were posted on the website so you would just look up their name and then look up their deck list so you'd have to see like somebody play a card they're not playing or something like that. Oh yeah, they said that that was very strange to me. They said that they would like verify deck lists, and I'm not entirely sure how they did that, other than the fact they made you play on your wizard's account. Mm-hmm. And so maybe um, they had like some bot and make sure like the deck you played that day was only one deck or something. But uh, they said that they did some sort of deck list verification. Okay. All right. But I guess that sure makes how. me feel a little bit better. But anyways. Uh, like it, it's the first one, I guess the first like PT or whatever it is online. There's probably going to be more in the future, and I'm sure they're going to implement more technology to to make it a more seamless experience later on. But those are just my thoughts. Like as someone who did not get to play and did not get to like engage in the strategical aspect of it all, I, I'm looking at it from like outside the ring and saying like, oh, okay, well, this is one thing that I think could be cool. Um, you know, if there were like sound effects and things like that. Like you just compare it to like other other esports casts right because now now that arena sort of is like a video game and less magic it's um you can make this more of like a direct comparison between like an arena stream and and like a league of legends stream and things mm-hmm. like that so i don't know do we want to talk about spoilers let's do it hey all right cool so m21 coming out soon um like how soon is is it this week it is literally today's Wednesday, Correct. so when we're recording this, I think some they did the update yesterday. So I think in yesterday, if you open a chest, there, there was a chance of getting an M twenty one card or uh-huh. jumpstart card as well. And so jumpstarts the set they released alongside M twenty one. It's meant to be like um, you can open two boosters and like play against each other more easily. And that set ended up having some really powerful cards. Um, the one thing about that set is it's not legal in standard modern or pioneer however it is legal in uh eternal formats plus historic but they did change some of the cards for historic um for arena so um you know you 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 basically have to go through like a whole checklist to figure out what card is legal where Mm -hmm. and it's all on like gather or scryfall but i think they went a little bit um over the top in like figuring out what was what yeah i heard there were multiple reasons for that like some of it was like a balance issue but then also there was like implementational issues like i don't know what cards they couldn't actually uh put in the in the thing but in in the Mm -hmm. arena but i heard that was a reason i saw people were talking about flame tongue kavu and then someone said that it wasn't because it was too good it was because you don't usually create creatures that can kill themselves on etp which i thought was funny i just don't know why that would be hard to program but Mm -hmm. yeah no it's because they don't want misclicks but on arena they always have the option where it's like for example expansion explosion if you target yourself with the damage mode arena will ask you if you're sure about that so they could always build something like that in yeah yeah I'm, i just saw that somebody said like most cards are like one-sided so maybe they want to keep it 
uh, going like that. Oh, yeah. If you play Flame Tomacabo on an empty board, it does have to kill itself. So they don't usually design cards like that anymore, where it's like if you forget something like that, then you lose. Well, I mean, like, um, just also a lot of cards only target your opponent's stuff now, I found. True, so, true. So is it like All right, so let's, let's dig into some spoilers. Let's take turns. Let's each pick a card. Uh, read the card and then explain like kind of the decks we see it in. So yeah, who wants to go first? Okay, me. I go first. I knew you would. I picked the planes, the doggy planes. Oh, from Jumpstart. It. I was gonna save that for like middle of the conversation. Nope, nope. I knew you were, and this is my card, Bob. Forty-five out of seventy-eight by Johannes Voss. Uh huh. Hey, props, dude. Good art, man. This is probably the. This is like some game changing shit right here. Like this is this is what this is what the future of esports needs to be. Okay, I'm talking about like just with all the stuff going on right now. Like, what we need is dog planes. What we need are artists who who make dogs on cards. So shout out to everybody who drew a dog on a card. I love you. Um, okay, has some pretty butterflies too in the background. It's good art. Who gives a the shit about the butterflies? The real question is, how many how many Japanese copies of this planes are you gonna buy? Oh, in foil? I don't. I oh my goodness. I might. I, I might. This foil. is. It's just such a serene photo too. There's just like a puppy outside. The weather's nice. The puppy's happy. Is it a Samoyed? Samoyed? Uh, like. It I'm looks in. like Shiro. It's way too big dog. to be Shiro. Oh yeah, is is Kibler's dog a small dog? It's a very tiny puppy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyways, I I'm happy about this plane's art. Um, I will say, this might be the one thing that gets me to play D and T. Is planes? Yeah, just this planes. Okay, now you may pick a card, Bob or Daniel. I'll let Daniel go. Oh, let me see. Well, I guess maybe it's too easy, but the. The card that pops out to, uh, to me the most is See the Truce, which is the uh, blue and a colorless sorcery where you look at the top three cards of your library, put one into your hand and the rest on the bottom in any order. But if you cast it from anywhere other than your hand, put it uh, all the cards into your hand. So if you cast it like Snapcaster, Mage, for example, you got to draw all three. So that's definitely the kind of card where, you, where when they spoil it, you're like, okay, I could see this being, you know, become a staple. Or maybe nobody will play it, or maybe it'll be a fringe card. So it's definitely how it's definitely going to be interesting to see how how it ends mm-hmm. up doing. I'll say I'm glad they made it a sorcery because I think at instant people definitely would really play good. it. It would be really good at instant, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are other ways that you can use this? I know Cascade is one, right? Mm-hmm. Charles Agent. Yep. I just thought of one, which is uh, I guess with all the Chandra effects, like if you tick up and then you exile it, can you ca- or like light up the stage, for example? Does that work too? Yeah, yeah, it so works as long as you didn't cast it from your hand. Uh, yeah, I thought you meant the the there's the three mana Chandra. I don't even know if you know what it does. But I, I have no idea what that. Well, is. the thing is, those Chandras are not really good with blue cards because if you're playing blue, you're probably playing counter spells. Um, that being said, like it could you know work with no the uh, the token Chandra. Yeah, the one that makes two tokens is kind of funny because she flashbacks spell like cheap spells and she works exactly. Wait, isn't that one six mana though? No, three no, mana. there's a three mana one. Oh, it makes like huh. two elementals, and then you can minus to flashback a spell. It's kind of funny. It's kind of like a baby Chandra. Also, you can use baby Jace with this. So maybe in the Pioneer, it'll see some play. Also, uh, you can play like Lotus Breacher Inverter because it works with Underworld Breach too, which is real when you're playing. Uh, you know, when you're playing Lotus Breach, I mean, that's got to be the easiest home, right? 
like the Underworld Breach deck in Pioneer really wants this. Like it, it was already basically, I mean, it was almost playing Anticipate, so this is just an upgrade. Kinda. I was playing a strategic planning, but sometimes I play digs through time. I mean, I haven't looked at the Lotus Breach list because I guess most people were playing like very few digs through times. I saw people were Yeah, usually only one. But, yeah. but I saw some people were also adding Luris to that deck, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that was scary. It just, it's, it's just funny to me that Luris is still legal in Pioneer. And modern, but it's like banned in legacy and vintage. I yeah, I was watching a Luris Breach video from modern, and it was like I, f I was feeling things because I was like, oh, I remember when I used to get to do this in vintage and, and never not in legacy, but still, like, you know, the feels like it hit me hard. It was like Luris Breach Unearth to buy back Emery and uh, Luris, and then you can grinding station bobble your way to a win or something like that. I don't know. As a, yeah, I haven't been, uh, keeping up with so yeah i could see being implemented in those decks in pioneer and i also saw it in modern i haven't been keeping up with modern that much recently apparently all these like snow decks are the new hotness so i don't know if this would be you know good enough but, like depending on much snap i mean draw three play. cards for two mana that's that's good yeah so it'll definitely be interesting <laughs> i think in in modern like maybe it'll create some new stuff there's also like finale of promise some people have been playing mm -hmm. those weird kind of what do they call those decks uh, the ones that play like that that enchantment that Marcus likes, as foretold. I, I've been oh, seeing yeah. people have been playing that a lot in modern, at least when I was playing Black Green Rock. So they also play Finale of Promise, so I can see them maybe playing this and I don't know, that's kind of interesting. Probably. Yeah, but this doesn't really work with as foretold, though. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's also it worth noting, with, uh, these these don't draw, so you can get around Narset. So I was just about to say out. that. Yeah, that's probably like, that's huge, actually. Yeah, um, which, which is like a cantrip you could play with Upside, but yeah, I don't know. Oh my god, Sapphire Medallion. What? Yeah, it's good with Yikes. Sapphire Medallion. For sure. It's going too far down the down the wrong path. Maybe All right, I'm going to take a card it. now. Um, this card is from Jumpstart, so not standard legal, but it is a 1-mana one 1-1 one for green. It's an Elf Shaman. Allosaurus Shepherd can't be countered. Green spells you control can't be countered. And then for 6-mana, you can make every Elf you control have base power and toughness 5-5 five, five, and become a Dinosaur. Uh, so the, the number one obvious home is elves, since the synergistic wow. <laughs> ability is good with having other elves in play. But I was thinking you'd also, like, I'm kind of glad this is not legal in modern, because then you could, like, make your Allosaurus Rider and Neoform and Eldritch Evolution uncounterable. And I wonder if this card is good enough to make that kind of strategy more viable in Legacy, like some sort of Eldritch Evolution deck. Uh, perhaps, you know, uh, people were playing Winota, so maybe something like that could be a weird uh, aggro deck that could be viable, but I'm not sure. Um, but definitely combo is where you want to edge because you're basically able to like get through Chalice of the Void, Force of Will, all the Delver stuff. Um, obviously, it is a one-one, so you can you know die to a bolt, but you're only paying one mana and you're forcing also your opponent to have. That's the big one. Yeah, that's fair. So that's why like if you're playing this in a combo deck then you're just kind of forcing them to have the removal spell right there. Otherwise, they could you know, die to a Grizzlebrand or whatever you're doing with this, Glimpse of Nature. Yeah, also it's a mana sink at the same time, which is pretty powerful, because those elf decks can flood like you just have Cradle, and you know that's pretty powerful that it has that extra ability. Like, like even without the last ability, like I think people would still consider it, maybe. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. God, like, Can't Be Countered is just the dumbest mechanic I have seen. Also, it's like a Crater Hoof you can get, yeah. Oh, oh, you're ranting about can't be countered? Interesting. Cavern of Souls. 
interesting uh <laughs> yeah. yeah no no biases here nothing like that i mean can you imagine like oko can't be countered natural order can't be countered like oath of druids can't be countered like ah. I think the bale of summer yeah. can't I mean, be stop countered. stop giving them ideas on rog they're gonna start putting threats with that that are good still play counter spells too it's 2020 <laughs> true yeah. can't be it's countered. just like the last line Boom. of text is so so much like it didn't even need that you know to be i mean maybe it didn't need it but it's just like this last line is so good like it's like a one mana mm. spell that makes yourself uncounterable and then also it's a win condition at the same time like that's so yeah. much for one card like even green sun for it it's like okay now all my stuff is safe oh also it's my win con at the same time because like let's say you get reclamation sage to kill chalice now you're like oh i still need to find a win con so i'm like two steps away here's like okay now i answered chalice and i'm my win con like it does two things at once so it's like it's like pretty powerful like it checks two boxes at once, which like most cards don't do, you know. Yeah. Especially in and the other thing resources it does too is it it gives green spells uncounterability. Usually it's creatures, and so if you're playing a creature deck, you're usually doing something fair. But then if you're just playing green spells, it, you could do you know natural order, neo form, all the things. You can I make your before. revenge of the hunted uncounterable. Ooh, that's too much. I'm chilling. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm gonna throw one out there. I forgot to I forgot to mention this one. Uh, but what is it? The new accumulated knowledge, frantic inventory. It's not actually in our list. Somehow we forgot. Is that that's M twenty one, right? Yeah, it is. Okay, that I'm gonna. Okay, so we're, this is I'm taking two two in this slot here. But um, I kind of realized why they printed this card. But I, I think it's gonna be pretty cool to have this card in in modern at instant speed. Like obviously, take inventory already exists, but that card is. Just not good enough. I mean, this is a strict upgrade, right? To actually, technically not, because I mean, you can find a fail case for every single card. Like this card gets dispelled, for example. But anyways, frantic, uh, frantic inventory seems pretty cool. Um, just accumulated knowledge plus see the truth. There's a lot of cool card draw coming out, and I'm kind of excited. Like M modern is also like the Mystic Sanctuary format, at least compared to Legacy, it is because no wasteland. So you know, being able to buy back multiple frantic inventories for three is, well. Quite bananas, actually. The Why is this is card actually just, printed, it's, though? It's just um, hard there's... to um, take the time off to like play a two-mana draw one, stuff like that. So I'll be interested to see if it sees play. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about Miracles specifically in Modern, and, like, you know, Terminus is a good card to buy back um, Tempo, uh, mm -hmm. especially when you when you spend it on card draw. Uh, but, but you're right. Like, maybe Modern, there's certain decks that are... Just not gonna care about all the extra cards you draw. They're just gonna like kill you before that, or set up some sort of like, or just like you know not interact or th things like that. But anyways, like the reason I was think looking at frantic inventory is because of uh the new planeswalker, the new the new blue planeswalker, Teferi, Master of Time. So for anyone who does not know, uh, this is a four mana planeswalker, two blue blue, mythic rare from M twenty one, legendary planeswalker Teferi. And it has a static ability, so it, these the, these are not gone. This is not just Roar of the Spark. Uh, the static ability says, you may activate loyalty abilities of Teferi, Master of Time, on any player's turn, anytime you could cast an instant. So yes, you can activate it on your turn once, and then you can activate it on your opponent's turn once. That's cool. That's cool. You know what's not cool? Can't be countered. You know what's cool? Instant speed Planeswalker abilities. Um, so the plus one says draw a card, then discard a card. The minus three says target creature you don't control phases out. And then the minus ten says take two extra turns after this one. They brought phasing back. What? Yeah, nobody saw that coming. For I didn't see that coming for sure. 
Yeah, like, that's crazy. Like, I, I mean, how are they... First of all, they're going to have to implement this on Arena because it's M21. Second of all, why would... This just seems... I don't even know how phasing works, you know what I'm saying? Like, um... But yeah, then also, it says it like, right on the card. Just treat it as though it doesn't exist. Oh, I forgot to mention, it starts at three loyalty, by the way. So mm -hmm. you can, like, tick up the turn you play it, put it to four, and then tick down to three on your opponent's turn when they attack it. But it's not permanent. Um, so, I don't know. This, to me, like, obviously, I'm like, oh, is this legacy playable? Shortly, short answer, no. This doesn't seem playable in legacy. I would even say it doesn't see, seem playable in, like, modern, pioneer, uh... It's only standard playable. If Whoa, that. you're calling this card not playable? I don't know. Do you think it's playable in Modern or Pioneer? Well, the thing is, I've been kind of out of touch with Modern. That format's been so crazy. But it's definitely powerful. Like The thing is, the ability, the minus three, is kind of uh, a weird ability. So we don't know exactly how good or, or bad it's going to be. Like, for example, if you, I guess... Well, I guess, I guess it's I mean, different. It's, it's worse than Unsummon, right? Like, do, can we agree on that? Yeah, I guess it can't kill it. Like, if a creature, if there's like an Arcbound Ravager, it doesn't, it just keeps all the counters, I guess. So it doesn't like kill tokens. Mm. So I guess it's a bit worse, but it's kind of like, yeah, it's like it, it definitely does like a lot of weird stuff. But I guess it, like in formats like modern and, and previous formats, it is a bit, um, it's a bit like less. It's gonna be less relevant because there's less gonna be stuff like double blocks, and it's less gonna it's less gonna be about creature combat. It's kind of funny that it can disrupt like combos though, like creature combos, like Splinter Twin or like Sahili or like Devoted Druid or like Infect. Mm -hmm. Like it's I just know I'm gonna be annoyed when my opponent has this and I cast a spell and they always loot in response to try and find <laughs> a counter spell or something. I'm just gonna be like, okay, like do your thing. It's just auto yeah. yield, dude. Yeah, but it, like it's it basically it's kind of like a little bit's gonna depend how good the uh, the minus three is gonna be, and it's not sure. I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely something that's like you have to play with to know because it looks pretty powerful, but it could be kind of like whatever. It could be kind of you know swingy. I'm not really sure. Like it definitely seems like like you can do stuff with like that art like double like it's gonna make it harder to attack. I mean, that's less than legacy and modern, but like it's gonna make it harder for them. Or I, actually, I guess it doesn't work like that. That's more if you're attacking. Um, but I mean, like it's gonna make them have to attack both creatures at Teferi, because otherwise you could just phase one out, which could be, you know, it can be obnoxious for them. And it's just like, but the fact that it disrupts creature combos, I mean, it's the main thing that kind of seemed interesting to me. But like, for example, you could phase out a Warwood symbiote and then like board wipe stuff like that. Like, yeah, I'm pretty skeptical on this card too, because Jace the Mind Sculptor is legal in Modern, and it doesn't see that much play. <laughs> oh yeah, in, in Modern or Legacy, so. <laughs> This, this card does not seem better dude. than Jace to me. Yeah, that's it's not even sweet. card advantage. That's the sad part. The plus one is draw a card, then discard a card. So it's only selection. So you really just have to pair it with something else if you well, want to pull uh, ahead. And at four mana, that's why I think it's just not... It's not going to see... like it, That might be good in standard, right? But I don't think it's going to be sufficient yeah, I guess for other, so. other I, formats. I guess that it might not be as good as Jace. It's definitely interesting, like... It's, it's hard to evaluate the minus three, though. You do get some card advantage at some point with the minus ten. That's going to draw you an extra card or two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Daniel, it's your turn to pick a card. Hmm, let me see. I guess uh, Stormwing Entity. It's kind of interesting. Um, I was this the one that Anirag was complaining about on Twitter that was too broken? I can't remember. I can explain, okay? I'm not saying it's like Hold broken, on, someone read broken. the card. Someone read the card. Okay, fine, fine. This is Go ahead, Daniel. Okay, so it costs uh, two blue and three colorless, so five mana. And 
It's uh, Elemental 3-3 Flying Prowess. Uh, and when it enters the battlefield, you scry two. And it costs a blue and two colorless, so it would only be two mana to cast, uh, as long as you've cast the instant sorcery spell this turn. So maybe why they banned Cataxian Probe a couple years ago to get ready for this. Not really sure. <laughs> but it's definitely yeah. pre- it's pretty good with like mana morphos or stuff like that, or you can play it on turn three with a plunger. It's pretty beefy, you know, but... What what were you were saying something you were saying it's too broken on you rod or something? No, not too broken. This just makes me uncomfortable. I look at this card and I'm just like, because uh, 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 this is like, I don't know why this card. I just what I, like it's maybe it's just it's entirely emotional. Yeah, sure, I'll say I don't, it. I don't get it. What, I I, I just do not like this card. Why does it have prowess? I mean, yeah, I guess because that a makes it good. Thing, Otherwise, but... it would suck, dude. I don't, three three that scries too. Like that would be like a common at this yeah, point. Yeah, I wouldn't it needs mind to be if a rare combat. sucked every now and then. I mean, there are a lot of shitty rares actually. Fine, okay, but I I don't know. It's whatever. Prowess? Fine. Like, if... What? Huh? It needs its prowess. Otherwise, it would suck, dude. Because it works with the scene. No, it I wants agree. you to cast instant or sorcery spells. So it's su- it's like super. It works super well with like if this didn't have prowess, it would be super boring. Because you'd be like, oh, a three three. That's my reward. But the thing is, it's a pay. It's a payoff, and like it's like a payoff card in both ways. Like it pays you off when you cast spells early, and it pays you off for casting spells late. So it works really elegantly in the in the decks because you, it basically rewards you for casting a bunch of incident sorcery. So that's why prowess is there. Because otherwise you wouldn't really get rewarded. You just get a discount. But now that you it ready? has prowess, okay, what? Sapphire medallion. Oh my god. I mean, okay, fine, fine. It, it it is an utterly unplayable card without prowess. That doesn't mean that I can. I'm just, I'm still uncomfortable. Like, what do you mean? It's barely okay, even fine. good. Like, it's not even that broken. It's, it's, I'm just uncomfortable. It's barely like, even good. I mean, maybe is it even good, playable? I don't understand. I, I still don't know where the problem with the card is. You think it's too I good? I told you it's emotional. It's entirely emotional, and I'm okay with okay, that. So, uh, but your emotion is saying it's too good, but it's not too good. So what is your, why is your emotion upset? Let me be, Bob, okay? Um, no, I, I don't know. I, just, I don't like cost reduction. I don't like flying. I don't like creatures. And he doesn't even draw a card. What? It just scries too. All right, so you're you're upset because it's a blue rare that's potentially powerful, but it's nothing you want to touch. Yeah. What I'm do you mean cost reduction? It's not really cost reduction. It's more like cost. It costs five mana. Like you would, it's it's not cost reduction really. Like uh, it's cost reduction, but it's just saying like you need to play instant sorcery. It's similar to Delver. Like paying two mana for this if you play instant sorcery is normal. Like that means like you go like Sir Visions cast this. Like that's not even. You're not really cheating on mana. Like, if you compare it to something like Urza, Urza's cost reduction, you know what I mean? You cast it and you instantly get one trillion mana. This isn't cost. <laughs> it's just like this should. That's how, how much, much mana would you pay for this uh, uh, ability? How much would I. Like, if this was three for mana. For a flying 3 3 prowess that scries two on ETB, how yeah, much would you pay for that? If that was three mana, that would be like. I don't, that would be like maybe borderline standard playable. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it would be really good. It seems like it wouldn't even be. A lock to be standard playable at that point. Like if it's two mana, mana, it would be good. Yeah, three mana. I feel like it's not even that. Like maybe I'm underrating it. At three mana, that's like true name nemesis. And like okay, like at three mana, I feel like that. Uh, I'm not talking playable. about legacy. Like this card will never For see the light standard, of day in legacy. Well, it depends how powerful standard is. Standard has been pretty weird lately because of cards like because of the, the way standard is. It's, it's pretty. It's become very like. You get really. I mean, cards like ECD, so yeah, and like yeah. Mayhem Devil and Claim the Firstborn, and like, and you get really punished if you ever stumble in Standard now. So you really need to be like focused. Like all the decks are so focused and so powerful. So maybe Standard from a 
from a, a couple years ago, it would be good, like, back in those Mono Blue Devotion decks. But Standard now is a bit different. Like, Standard decks now are so powerful and, and streamlined, you know what I mean? Like, you can't really mess around. Like, back a couple a few years ago, you could mess around in Standard, play some kind of funny cards. You could play Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Like, that's just a perfect example. Like, you used to play Grey Merchant of Asphodel in Standard. If you play that today, it's just... No, no offense if you play that. I mean, maybe it's fine. But because I actually did try and play it. It's like... It's I was going to say, didn't you try this card yeah. recently? And and it's just like so much... Like, the cards are just so so good. You, you It's really hard to mess around in Standard, basically, is, is my point. Because the cards are so good. And you get mm-hmm. so slapped around if you ever mess around. So if, if everything doesn't hum together perfectly, you really get punished. So... And there's not really a deck for this currently. So I don't even... Maybe it would be good standard, but it definitely doesn't seem like it would be a lock. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's on no standard play. So. All right. I'm going to move on to a card that I want to talk about, and I have no idea how good it is. It is nine lives, one white white for a hexproof enchantment. If a source would deal damage to you, prevent it and put an incarnation counter. When there are nine or more incarnation counters on nine lives, exile it. And when it leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. So, holy crap, there are a lot of things going on, but essentially it's the idea that you become a cat with nine lives, and you get nine hits, basically. And even if the hit is, like, five damage or one damage, you lose one counter. Um, And I'm glad they put the last line of text on it, otherwise, like, your Death and Taxes opponent could just, like, play this and keep flickering it. That'd be super annoying. Um, But instead, basically... You, you get to survive nine hits. Which, as a Delver player, I'm just thinking back, like, if I don't have Young Pyromancer, then it's like you gain, like, a bajillion life, but then gaining life isn't really that good, but it just it stops you from just killing the other person. Um, and it's really difficult to remove because it has Hexproof. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm basically telling Honorog to try this card and tell me if it's good. Well, I, mean, I don't even think you can trick me into playing this card. I don't oh. think this part card's playable in Legacy. Uh, maybe in, like, another format. Well, I was just thinking about... What's up? Sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, this card seems terrible and sealed, but obviously it's more of a card you want to play like combo deck, so obviously it's, it would be kind of bad sealed because of the nature of limited. It's just creatures attacking. So mm. I guess that doesn't really I guess you can play this with like Solemnity or something, and then you they would have to destroy Solemnity or this. I, I wonder how much yeah. better this would be if Blastone didn't exist. It's so awkward that Blastone just kills this, but I guess not everybody plays Blastone. I guess playing Standard, where the most popular deck plays two Blastone, has kind of made me wary of any permanence that can be destroyed. All right, Honor, tell me why this is completely unplayable in like Miracle Sideboard as a one of or whatever. Well. I mean, what does it do? It doesn't do anything. It just stops them from killing you. It's I don't know. Burn. No, no, it doesn't. They just attack you over nine turns. Like, what? Over, That's like, so many even... turns. That's so much life. Like, it's, okay, fine. Like, it's it... like gain 20 life. Is it better than Pulse of the Fields? Yes. That only gains, like, four life. But it, it never goes away. It keeps coming back to your hand. It would cost more mana. I don't know. I guess so. I don't know. I'm gonna. You, you. You know what, Bob? You're deferring the task of this card to me, and I'm gonna defer the task of this to someone who's listening to this podcast right now. Yes, you. You in the car with the headphones on. Actually, don't. No, no headphones in the car with the the the. What is it called? The audio speaker? stereo thingy speaker device. Please, please break this card so that we car can. Car stereo. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Break this card so that we can uh, talk about it and. Uh, see why why they printed i don't know like the thing that maybe bugs me is uh that teferi has phasing so if they bring more cards back that with phasing like maybe you can do something there like i i don't know i just don't i don't really see it like yes solemnity is something uh does it do something it's with that nauseam? i don't for know for sure 
Enchantress players might no. be excited. Is that nauseum lose it, it doesn't deal damage. All right, okay. that's fine. We can move on. It's your turn okay. on Orog. Uh, well, let's talk about the obvious ones that we kind of just like have ignored. The Goblin Duo that has been released um, in Jumpstart oh, and classic M21. Anurag, just every time he goes, he wants a two for one. Well, it's fine. These are these, like, look, one of them is like a baby pick anyways. Okay, so let's start with the, the big ticket item, which is the Conspicuous Snoop. So that's a red, red rare from M21, a Goblin Rogue that says play with the top card of your library revealed. You may cast goblin spells from the top of your library. As long as the top of your uh, library is a goblin card, Conspicuous Snoop has all activated abilities of that card. So, obviously, everyone in Magic immediately thought of the most powerful card, which was Kiki-Jiki. And there's an infinite combo somewhere, right? Do, do you guys, either of you guys know the infinite combo? Yeah, Kiki-Jiki and Snoop and another goblin. Yeah, I know this combo it's like Bogart, Goblin, something. I don't know. It's some sort it's of definitely a push two card. in a black. Uh, Bogart, no, not Bogart Mob. Wait, what? There's so many goblins. What the hell? I'm going to try and find it. It only gains activated ability, so it doesn't gain untap unless, like, what's the well, untap card? So so you have to, so you know what the Bogart does, right? No. It puts the, it, it basically puts uh, the goblin on top of your deck. So what you go is you go turn to, um, this card, Conspicuous Snoop, and then turn three, you play the Bogart, whatever, and then you put Kiki-Jiki on top of your deck, you copy Conspicuous Snoop a million times, and then... Wait, you... how are you untapping Snoop? I don't understand. Once you... once you, or Oh, oh because Kiki... Okay, Kiki-Jiki says non-legendary, and so Snoop is not legendary, so you just copy itself. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, makes yeah, sense yeah. now. So then you copy, 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 you make infinite tapped conspicuous snoops um then with the last one i think you blink yeah you blink the bogart you put siege gang on top of your sorry not siege sling gang lieutenant on top of your library and then you use the conspicuous snoop to sacrifice all your goblins and deal with like three thousand wait tell me the name of the bogart card because i want to look this up now I, I didn't actually hear about this combo until now oh really uh well i I have to figure it out. It's like a goblin that puts it. I don't know. There's something. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll Google it. You guys keep talking. You talk about the other goblin while I figure it. While I find this one. Okay. Um, the other giant goblin is Muxus Goblin Grandee. It's four and red red for a goblin noble. Um, it's a four four, which is huge by goblin standards. ETB reveal the top six and put all goblins CMC five or less onto the battlefield. So you can't just chain Muxuses. I think they learned their lesson from Gyaruda. Uh And then whenever it attacks, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each other goblin you control. So it's basically uh, like infinity, infinity when you attack with it. And on the ETB, you look at six cards. So it looks at so many more cards than Ringleader. Um, so this seems like really good in like a goblin stompy deck with mod catchers. Um, less convinced by it in a traditional goblin's shell since it is six mana, but maybe they can play one. The matron four, yeah, make maybe play one so you have a goblin matron target that's powerful, but I've no yeah. goblins experience so. Or like, I mean, maybe if if you really want to go all in, you can play like instigators and lackeys, and then play more of these, but it would have to be something like that. Yeah, it's definitely one of the biggest goblins I've ever seen, and it definitely has some interesting artwork. It stands out. <laughs> four four mm -hmm. is so big. But it's definitely an interesting design. 
I'm not too worried just because, you know, Plague Engineer still exists. And if Goblins ever does become tier one or something, there's always that card to kind of hate those cards. These decks out. Yeah, this, deck, okay. this card doesn't seem particularly good to me. I mean, obviously it's a good card, but I mean, in format like Legacy, it doesn't stand out to me as that it's going to be particularly good. That's my first impression. Maybe so a Pioneer. So the card... Well, the most important thing I'm going to mention right now is I looked at this card... Are we, talk, are we still talking about Muxus? Yeah, but you can mention the Snoopy. Okay, well, I just like that Grandee re- uh, re- like rearranged spells Grenade. So it's like a goblin grenade in disguise. Um, Interesting. And then I don't know. I I, I got I got a little bit more creative and like if you take Muxus and you rearrange it, it's like Mu sucks. So in in the matchups where you're behind, like in the the matchups that oh sucks. Oh my god, that's that's so deep. You just you throw just a goblin. So I'm really stretching yeah. here. Okay, come on. You gotta somebody laugh. Somebody I, yeah. one person <laughs> laugh. Okay. okay, thank you. All right. Is the card you were looking for Boggart Harbinger? It is Boggart Harbinger. So that is two and a black um, for a 2-1 Goblin Shaman. When Goblin Boggart Harbinger Shaman enters the battlefield, or comes into play, rather, you may search your library for a Goblin card, reveal it, then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. So... Okay, so the two-card kind of combo sense? with Snoop and Boggart. Yeah. But Boggart kind of sucks without Snoop. I mean, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where it's bad, tricky. But it's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, I think is it modern playable? And Kiki Jiki is also pretty bad. I agree. Also, when you're playing goblins, you don't have brainstorm. So what happens if you ever draw one of them, right? Oh, you can splash brainstorm. <laughs> there you go. Grixis goblins. Um, so I'm wondering if there's like actually like a dedicated combo shell for this that like has. I don't know, maybe like goblin lackey and like. There uh, was another goblin combo deck in modern. I forget how it worked though. I don't know if Daniel, you've played against the Goblin combo deck in Modern. No, I haven't. I've I've seen some recently, but it's definitely like the first thing I compare it to is like the Voted Druid combo because it's kind of a similar creature combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's um the the Goblin combo deck in Modern uses Grum Gully, and so maybe this deck could use Grum Gully. It, Every Grum Gully time I is... hear Grum Gully, I just want to say it in like one of those like weird voices, like "Oh, Grum Gully," like you know what I yeah. mean? Like I don't know. It makes non-humans ETB with an additional plus one, plus one counter. And you combo that with Murderous Redcap or something? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add on Muxus. I, feel, I almost feel like it should have more text, but maybe it would be too good. I feel like it's 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 missing something. It's missing something. No, Dang. it shouldn't have more text. We don't Wait, need it puts all the our cards to be... Play. Like, I feel like it should make like a couple... Huh? Like, maybe it should... Like, I don't know, I feel like it should come with a couple of tokens and maybe sacrifice them to deal damage. Oh my god, stop, I just feel like stop. it's not exciting okay. enough. I, feel, um, I don't know. What was I going to say? But also you have to understand, like, most of the goblins that you're going to put into play, like, will probably draw five cards. So, like, you spend six mana to put, like, a matron or ringleader and then, like, some other stuff into play. And it's, like, GG's on turn, like, one or two. Like, now Goblin Lackey connecting. Like, Goblin Lackey has never looked this good before, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm so scared if a Goblin Lackey connects now. Before, it was like, they would put a ringleader and draw three cards. It like, okay, you can maybe tempo that out or something. But now it's like, okay, you could just get overwhelmed in one turn. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. All right, let's just go one more round. Um, so pick a card you really like out of the cards that are left. Mm, I'll go with Jalrail Mwanvuli Recluse. It's one and a green for a one-two legendary human uh, when you draw your second card each turn you make a 2-2 two, two. 
And then it has six mana until end of turn. Creatures you control have base power and toughness X, where X is the number of cards in your hand. So, like, maybe this could be a new young Pyromancer. It doesn't really work with your counter spells, but it makes two twos instead of one ones, and it works with, you know, Ponder and Preordain on your turn, and Portent and Brainstorm on your opponent's turn. Or, I guess it doesn't work with Portent, because you need to draw two cards. Mm. Alright, never mind. Match. I'm off it. Yeah, I was thinking about this yeah. card in Standard in Team Erek, but I was comparing it to Improbable Alliance, because... Having a two-mana threat in Team Rex seemed pretty appealing, so I was just comparing this to uh, Improbable Alliance in my head. And, yeah, I was just thinking about Standard, not Legacy or Modern. But you need to draw two cards on your opponent's turn, which is a lot harder than one card. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's like the same clause as Improbable Alliance. Like, I don't know if... Like, if you talk about Standard, like, it works well with Fire Prophecy. You already play... Uh, like, in Team Rex, basically every player in the deck draws a card. I mean, your deck's like... Uro, Opt, Explosion, Chemistry's Insight, um, and then you can maybe add a Fire Prophecy to work with this. You, there's also Cycling Cards. You can There's a Cycling Boon of the Gift Giver. You can just play that Cycling Card to work with this. I'm talking about Standard here. Mm-hmm. And like almost every card in Team Rex uh, cycles with it. There's also Shark Typhoon, etc., etc. So I could see it like as a Cyborg card. Like maybe, like maybe a Cyborg card. I don't know if it would be better than Probable Alliance, though. Like it makes two two cats. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I would think about that. I could see it maybe in a, in Team Wreck as a cyborg card. Maybe you have to compare it to the other threats like Nightpack Ambusher and Commence the Endgame and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I didn't Can we think just of- talk about for a second how like amazing the artwork on this card is as well? Like I cannot stop looking at that powerful expression on this character's face. Like it's incredible. I don't know. I think I think that's that's like the that's like when I see that like I can't even like it, it's just like really good art. I don't know. I um. Yeah, it's just like yeah. so ferocious. I don't know. Yeah, you should check out the art if you haven't like seen the this building already. in the background too. Yeah, humans bring nothing but suffering and deceit. They are not welcome in my forest. Nice, and you can see that kind of embodies like yeah, because her, it, wa- uh, it wants you to play cantrips, not creatures. So that makes sense. Very blue card. Actually, you know, maybe this does combo with um, another card that I'm kind of interested in from M21, which is uh, Niambi, the esteemed speaker. Which is uh, blue-white, so we're already fine. Like, just two mana, Azorius, uh, for a legendary creature, a human cleric that has flash. So everything so far has been, like, pretty good, except for maybe the creature part, but that's okay. When Niambi Esteemed Speaker enters a battlefield, you may return another target creature you control to its owner's hand. If you do, you gain life equal to the CMC of that creature. And then it also has one blue-white tap. Discard a legendary card, draw two cards. I mean, like, if there's a creature that existed that was, like, super sweet and wasn't Snapcaster Mage and, like, wasn't, like, I don't know, a bunch of other cards, but was Niambi, like, th- th- that's it. Like, in, 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 like, other formats, I definitely think this is incredible. Just not even, not even, like, legendary, like, creature. You can discard Caracas, maybe, like, Squee if you're really feeling yourself. Like, are there any other, like, legend? You can discard Planeswalkers. Like, that's pretty awesome, IMO. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I like this, and I like that it has Flash, and it's basically, what is that other card, like, Deputy of Detention? Not not Deputy of Reflector Detention. Mage? It's like, um, what's up? Reflector Mage? No, no, it's like a blue-eyed Flash creature that, like, bounces something on ETB. I don't know. Might be, well, like, bouncing one, your own thing. Yeah, this one bounces your own thing, so... The best use for that is obviously saving it, your creature from removal, Charming Prince? and has flash. 
Mm, I'll, I'll figure it out, whatever it is. Um, but I, I really like this card. I think there's potential just because it said legendary card and not legendary creature. So there are a lot of ways to build around that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's still three mana to go up one card. So I don't know. I mean, in, in lower power formats, that's not even that. But it's also if you're playing like some sort of like flash strategy, like it, it, I mean, it's a lot. You're right. But it's not the worst, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I would. Uh... I think this card's like pretty balanced. Yeah. The, the oh yeah, probably balanced. Uh, for me, it's just exciting. Yeah, it's definitely mm -hmm. exciting. I think the obvious thing is like, is it even better than Baron? Because it's like the same color. I mean, obviously. Oh like, yeah, you should talk about Baron. I mean, not to Daniel. go over Niambi, but it's just like, like the, the when I see this card, obviously the first deck that pops to my mind is Modern Humans and maybe Esper Violin Legacy are the are the two main obvious deck. Like any sort of blue white sort of hate bears kind of strategy, and it's and then I look at uh, Niambi, which is also a human. It's the same color. But he, I, I guess I should read him, or be, not, uh, I mean Baron, uh, which is blue, blue, one, so three mana. When he enters the battlefield, uh, return up to one other target creature, Planeswalker, to the owner's hand. And at the beginning of your, your end step, if a permanent was put into your hand from the battlefield, this turn, draw a card. So it's kind of like they just printed uh, a power creep mana war. I don't know, it's like a legendary mana war with more text. And it's kind of pretty similar to Baron, or not um, to Niambi. So it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want to play Niambi, would you rather play this? Obviously, one has two mana, one has flash, you know. But this, but this of, one, like, it hits your opponent's stuff, which is an important tempo play. Yeah, and also, there, like, there's a lot of differences in draws cards. So it's pretty interesting. Like, like I, I'm not really a humans or Esper file expert. Maybe well, I'll have to ask Jeff. But Max Max pointed out on uh, Twitter that this is insanely good with Gilded Drake. You basically you keep stealing their stuff and drawing cards and bouncing your Drake back. So that yeah. seems fun. Yeah, it's, and this is also maybe arguably better with Caracas almost because obviously Niambi can discard Caracas, but this actually uses Caracas. To, it's like a man. It's like a Venster. Like if you compare it to Venster, you know, like you you can Caracas to bounce this to keep rebuying it. So it's definitely an interesting card. I mean, it is. It is blue blue, so it might be harder to cast on a deck like Modern Humans, and also a deck like Modern Humans has like infinite three drops already. But it's definitely like if you like, is is it? Would you ever play Niambi over this and etc.? It's kind of an interesting question. This card definitely seems like kind of like pretty pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. It seems more yeah, powerful just because it hits opponent stuff. Yeah, Flash definitely is a big game changer. IMO. Um, oh, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe uh, this like Niambi could go in something like the blue white tempo deck or this one also draws cards for free yeah, yeah but mana. i think flash did you think flash matters or no well, the thing is that i mean it definitely matters the thing is that the main decks that that are that previous that would come to mind that would play it obviously there can be new decks are decks like humans and esper vile where they're you know obviously flash is good obviously it's just better to have flash than not but it's not like you're playing them you know, in control decks, like the, the obvious decks that pops to mind are like these creature-based decks that they already use uh, Acer Vial, and, you know, you know they already play all these tap-out creatures. I mean, obviously Flash makes it better, but it's not like a, mil a million times better as if it was like Snapcaster Mage in a control deck compared to, you know, Goblin, Dank Dwellers, or Dark Dwellers. So, I, yeah, I just... Forget that card existed. Yeah, I, I was just saying, like, like, Flash can be really good in some contexts, but this doesn't seem like the ultimate flash contacts. Also, the fact that this targets your opponent stuff is super versatile. 
because Niambi is kind of like if you're behind, <laughs> like kind of really bad. Whereas this card, if you're behind, you can just bounce their, their biggest thing. Because like the thing is, if you're behind and you have Niambi, like Niambi is kind of like not a win more card, but it's kind of like assumes you're ahead or kind of something like that. Not assume you're ahead, but if you're behind, like she's not that flexible. This card bouncing your opponent's stuff makes it like super way more flexible. You know, that's kind yeah. of huge. Yeah, you, you, you've convinced me. Okay. Another answer to Dark Depths. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, because yeah. we needed more of those. Hmm? Should I pick a card now, or do you, do you guys want to say more stuff about those cards? I'm good. Pick one. Yeah, I like the Lightning Phoenix. It reminds me of Arclight Phoenix, which I had some fun times with. Obviously, the artwork's similar. I wonder if it's the same artists. It's definitely pretty similar. Similar colors, similar setting, you know. So it kind of looks like Arclight Phoenix, uh, good times. And so it's uh, red and two colorless, so three mana for a 2-2 Flying Haste Phoenix. Can't block. Oh, that's sad. And at the beginning <laughs> of your end step, if an opponent is dealt zero more damage this turn, you can pay red, so one red. Uh, and if you do, return it to the battlefield. So it definitely seems pretty powerful. Um, obviously, there's no Faithless looting, I guess. You know, I mean, you like... There is a Legacy. Yeah. I, mean, I, I th- Yeah, but like in Legacy, it's a lot harder to play new cards. Obviously, Bob, I don't know, maybe you have any thoughts about Hollow One or stuff like that. Obviously, I guess Hollow One's way past its prime now. It's kind of like a... Co- completely dead deck but or not completely dead deck but i mean like it's uh it's not as exciting to play anymore but definitely hey feels... hollow one is alive and well in vintage and it's probably one of the things i might try soon oh yeah i despise that with... deck in vintage it is so so frustrating yeah i just meant lightning Why? Phoenix... just because it puts like a million power for no mana and counters all your spells for free that sounds like what i want to do yeah this, that is exactly why yes i try to do one thing and they're like nope force of will yeah. you do not know true terror until your opponent goes Bazaar of Baghdad, discard double Squeeze Goblin the Bob, and then you just die. Like that, that's it. It's like a card advantage engine too. That's how. Amazing. Yes, yes, and then they they lit- How many how many free counter spells do you think are in that deck? Like, Wrong. Sixteen or around there. It's legitimately so many spells. Well, okay, not all counter spells. Like they've got Force of Vigors too, but still. That's it's yeah. So it's kind of a counter spell to destroy stuff. But yeah, I think this card's pretty like one mana to return it to the battlefield for a two two haste. Kind of stands out as pretty powerful. Like if you compare it to cards like Gravecrawler or Vengevine, it definitely seems like one of the more or prized amalgam, Bloodgast. Those line of creatures, they tend to see a lot of play, even if they're as simple as a meagly little Gravecrawler. So it definitely stands out mm-hmm. as a card that's that could see play and that's pretty powerful and has flying in haste. Yep. And you could even just play it in yeah. aggro decks or etc. Yeah, the main problem is like in something like modern, like there's no faithless looting anymore, and it's just not quite good enough as an aggro card. I guess it's not even legal in modern. So I guess in legacy, um, maybe you could build it in a blue red phoenix deck. Like you play like eight phoenixes, and that makes your faithless lootings even better. Because I think that was one problem with with the deck was that your faithless lootings weren't that good when you only had you know four things to discard. So potentially I could see it in like a blue red burn phoenix deck, but. I don't know, I'm not super excited because it also can't block, and I, I remember like one key part of the Arclight Phoenix deck was like you could just come back from behind by like jump blocking for a little bit and then swinging for like 18 twice. Um, so this one has a lot of uh, has a lot less flexibility. And, and no, no matter what, you're paying one mana, which is good for a 2-2 flying haste, but it's not like game-breaking. Well, the haste, when you're paying one mana for it, isn't even really relevant, right? True, because it comes back like the next turn, so... Yeah, your yeah. end step. Yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, any other shout outs before we wrap up the episode? I'd like to shout out Pack Leader and Rambunctious Mutt as uh the premier dogs from the set. 
Dude, it's kind of funny. Um, Puppy Tribal gets a two-mana Lord before Goblins does. How do you feel about that? I think that's great. I think Pack Leader is actually a really good Lord. Um, we just need Wizards to print more dogs, so I'm waiting for it to happen. I was probably the Goblin King. That always was a perfectly fine Lord to me. It's not power creeped enough, Daniel. A fact. Yeah. There you go. Let, let the Goblin King remain king. And let the dogs <laughs> have their pack masters. That's how I see it. Oh, it gives them mountain walk as well? Okay, no, no, no. The the the, pup, the, the puppy prince is way, just way better. Well, the pack leader the doesn't give mountain leader. walk. You don't want to confuse uh, people. Yeah, although okay. the pack leader works well with itself. If you have two pack leaders, they work well together because none of your dogs get dealt combat damage. Nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's end it here today. Thanks for listening to our M21 set review. See you guys in a couple weeks. Facts. Bye.